Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Where is your line in the sand? What do you expect out of the bishops? What do you expect out of the good bishops, such as Bishop Strickland, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Mueller, Vigano, you know, pick your, pick your person. What do you expect out of these individuals during this crisis in the church? There is some news coming out of Rome. Uh, it was first reported by La Nuova Bussola Quotidiana, the new daily compass. They do have an English counterpart. These guys are pretty good. I follow these guys. They're in Italy. They are, you know, switched on. They know what's going on. They wouldn't put something out unless they were pretty confident of their, of their sources. Um, also, Diane Montagna, Rome correspondent for Remnant News, who's usually pretty bang on with this stuff. She reported it, or at least shared the report as well. And it looks like Pope Francis is going to come after um, Cardinal Burke. Now, Cardinal Burke isn't really in a position to be removed from anything in the diocesan sense. Um, he does have some roles, but not in the same way Bishop Strickland did. But it looks like Cardinal Burke is going to be kicked out of his flat, his apartment in Rome, and his salary taken away, which is in and of itself a type of persecution, if, if you want to call it that. And I have some thoughts on this whole thing that are probably going to run contrary to what most traditionalist commentators are going to say. And I'm going to get to those in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about the Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference. The Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference is the second annual traditional Catholic men's conference being held in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. To my mind, it's actually the only traditional Catholic, traditional Catholic men's conference in North America. It's February 17th, 2024. Tickets are $100 Canadian. If you are in the United States, that's like $80. That's a pretty good deal. Um, uh, you can see here a photo of the Holy Name Society. That's the group that I'm a part of that we put on last year. And one of the insp inspiring motivations for this is this quote here from Archbishop Lefebvre, where it says, we must fight fearlessly to maintain tradition, to maintain above all the liturgy of the Holy Mass, because if the very it is the very foundation of the church. Father Michel Rion, is one of our speakers, Mr. Tim Flanders, myself, uh, and also other priests will be speaking as well, but just sort of the identities TBD. Begins on February 16th with a meet and greet on the Friday night. We have a, a room that we're going to be renting at a pub uh, for, you know, fish and chips and pints and whatever. The day is filled with mass, opening remarks, breakfast, morning speakers, buffet lunch, um, afternoon speakers, cocktail hour with cash bar, buffet dinner. There are raffles and prizes all day. Uh, we have cigars for all attendees. It's a pretty great day. But most importantly, besides all the bells and whistles, it is a time for fraternity with good traditional Catholic men who are want, trying to fight the same fight that you're fighting. So click the link in the description to this video, the description box of this video or podcast if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms to find out more. I hope to see you there. All right. So Cardinal Burke is supposedly under fire. And I'm going to just pull up here. I'm going to pull up here a quick uh, article, and um, here is uh, uh, from uh, 1 Peter 5, and it's called, The Pope Cannot Depose Bishops Without Grave Cause. I'm not going to read much of this, but just a little gist of it. Um, in light of recent news, this is the editor's note from Tim Flanders, that the Holy Father, again, after deposing Bishop Strickland, now allegedly intends to move against Cardinal Burke, again, we present this study in conjunction with Father Murray's recent analysis of the Strickland case. So Father uh, Father uh, Murray, um, I thought it was Gerald Murray, but anyway, maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway, um, and this fella who um, wrote this article 
very intelligent individuals. They know what they're doing. You can go read it if you want. And it's got great canon law stuff in it, and I do recommend it. But we're not even going to get into that right now. And the reason is this. The reason is this. You've got to ask yourself at a certain point, what do you expect out of your bishops? You've got to ask yourself at a certain point, what do you actually expect to happen in this crisis in the church? Are you of the belief that you're just going to grin it and take it? Uh, which I understand there's, that's not an un-Catholic thing. There is a reality that we just sort of, we can't change certain circumstances. There is a holiness in accepting circumstances. I'm not talking about violent revolution or anything like that. I'm not suggesting anything in the slightest. But there is a reality as well that Catholics are also not called to quietism. What is quietism? Quietism is the idea that basically you can't do anything about it, so you just sort of pray and everything will happen the way God wants. And there's a reality to that. There is. But Catholicism is always a both and. We have faith and we have works. We have prayer and we have action. On the other hand, we don't need an activism. We're not trying to have, you know, uh, protest bishops, which would make us Protestants in the sense of, you know, constantly being against something. Now, I will say it takes much more than resisting the Pope in order to make a Protestant contrary to what the Pope's planners will have you think. Sorry if you hear any of the stomping above me, home office life. Um, there is more to it than that. So what are we going to do? Where, where, what, will, what will we do as Catholics? What do we expect out of our bishops? Because let's be honest, the, the culling of the good traditionally minded bishops has only intensified um, with what happened to Bishop Strickland. There was the bishop in Puerto Rico a year or two ago, which no one in the English speaking world really talks about, but it was very much the same as a Bishop Strickland situation. That bishop basically just spoke out against the um, vaccine mandates, essentially, and he was just, you know, knocked off for it. Um, Cardinal Burke looks like he's going to be downgraded one more time. And this has a lot of Catholics sort of asking themselves or, or trying to consider what on earth are we going to do? Well, as Catholic lay people, we can't really do anything. That's the reality. We can do rosary processions and we can pray outside the chancery or whatever. And we can pray for the Latin mass to stay in our diocese. We can pray for, you know, the good priests and we can go to these conferences. And those things are all good. I'm not saying don't do those things. You know, thank God for the remnant and the Catholic identity conference and the things that they do. You know, the canceled priest conference is wonderful. Please come to our conference. Uh, different spirit to that conference than sort of a crisis in the church thing. But nonetheless, it is true. It is true that there are good things that we should do. And we should do those things. We should be, we should be fraternizing with other good Catholics who have similar mindsets about what to do. Because, you know, you have to have that community. I get that. But there's really nothing that we can do. We can't, we're not going to start a diocese. We can't start a religious order. We can't give ourselves the sacraments. There are certain situations where it's kind of independent retired priests that serve a group of the faithful does work out. I've seen it happen, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially, you know, if a priest just has no position and he just wants to say mass in a chapel and the faithful come. I mean, there's really no canonical problem with that, even if you want to get sticky with the canon law. Um, and that's fine. But that also has the added danger of relying on the priest to be your guru. You know, you see people that, you know, they go to this independent chapel for their whole life, this place where this priest has basically no assistance. What do they do for confirmations? You know, does he send them off for Novus Ordo confirmations and Novus Ordo whatever? I mean, these things are difficult. Again, there are good independent priest situations, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. So 
we have to ask ourselves, as I said at the outset, what do we expect of our bishops? Well, here's I'm going to say something that's going to be contrary to what a lot of people think when they consider men like Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Mueller, etc. If this is truly a crisis in the church, if this is truly a crisis of leadership, if this is truly a crisis where souls are being lost at an alarming rate, which is the case if you believe the Catholic faith, if you believe the Catholic faith, you cannot deny the faith and still be saved. You cannot be saved outside the church. I did a whole podcast on this. There's a way of contextualizing that, but you have to be Catholic, at least in some way, in order to be saved. You have to die in a state of grace. You have to have the sacraments. I mean, there's a, there are many things that need to take place in order for you to save your soul, and you can't do that without priests, and especially without good priests, and most especially without bishops to make good priests. And here's where the Archbishop Lefebvre question always comes in. If you look at the last 50, 60 years, there's been a crisis the whole time. This era is bad. The 70s were bad. The 80s were bad. The 90s were bad. The church has been in a constant state of decline with little blips of, you know, stemming the bleeding here and there. There was a Benedictine respite under Pope Benedict. But let's be honest, Pope Benedict, he didn't really do anything that was lasting in the sense of, you know, it was easy to just flip a moto proprio. He could have done it a lot stronger than he did. He could have, he totally could have. There's total argument for Quo Primum having infallible uh, premises. He could have put out some sort of infallible thing, but didn't. And now with the stroke of a pen, Pope Francis gets rid of it. And here we are again. So what are we going to do? Well, what are our bishops going to do? I'm very grateful to Cardinal Burke and Cardinal Mueller and these people, these men who have written nice letters. They've written nice books. They've given nice interviews. But what is that going to do to save somebody's soul? I mean, imagine, let's put an analogy like this. Here we are at war, and we are at war. There is a war for the soul of the church. This war has been going on, and this has happened before. There was St. Athanasius during the time of the Arian crisis. We have Bishop Lefebvre in, in this time in our crisis. Uh, there were great saints raised during the crisis of Anglicanism in the in the United Kingdom, for example. But in all those situations, there were bishops who actually did something, and they did things that were extraordinary. Saint Eusebius of Samosota, I've talked about this before. He is a, a saint of the first four hundred years of the Church, and he went further than I think Archbishop Lefebvre did, and it's been. And as far as consecrating bishops and dioceses and setting them up as if they actually kind of had a right to that place, because he recognized there were her- her- uh, heretics in the in the various sees in the various offices, and the souls were hurting. And he said, "I'm a bishop." And basically, the commentary that's been given on Saint uh, Saint Eusebius of Samosote is that uh, he acted as a healer. He has the office of being some sort of physician as a Catholic bishop, and therefore he acted as a healer in trying to heal the body of Christ by extraordinary means, but by no means setting up a parallel church or anything like that. Are we not in a situation like that? I mean, at this point, um, our bishops largely are worse than Arians, doctrinally. I mean, there are numerous doctrines of the faith that they call into question or deny in practice at least, and in many cases just deny. We live in a time that is doctrinally much worse than the Aryan crisis. There's no denying this at this point. I mean, I, I wish we had one heresy to worry about. I think sometimes too, when we look at the time of the Aryan crisis, people get sort of, um, what's the word? It's the ancient world. This is the Roman empire at that time. So things happen in a kind of a different way. So there's the volatility of the social sphere. And I think people look at that and they say, well, that must've been much worse. 
Well, those are just externals. The thing that matters most is the fact that we have the doctrinal confusion. Living in a time of societal confusion or societal upheaval or volatility, that's tough. But living in a time of unmitigated crisis within the church where there is no clarity and where the, the bishops and the popes that have, we've had you know, have failed in their duty and in some, some ways, in many ways, have promoted the decay, that's way worse. The reason is, is because, again, we can save our souls in all types of civilizations. We can be living in a third world country. We can be living in the Middle Ages. We can be living in a techno society like we have now. Many different ways, many different ways to live. But as long as we have doctrinal clarity, we can weather the storm. In our age, we have no doctrinal clarity whatsoever. And back to these bishops, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Miller, etc. Yes, again, these interviews that they're giving, they're good. These, these things that they say in these, in these books or whatever, they're fine. But beyond a little bit of edification to the faithful who happen across a nice article, what is this doing for the faithful? I mean, what are they going to do? If they really believe there's a crisis in the church, what are they going to do? You know, respectfully to all these individuals, going and speaking at a conference is great. It's great. I mean, it's helpful for people. It's edifying. I'm not saying don't do it. But going to speak at a conference, okay, then what? What do you do next? What do you do about the fact that, you know, you're speaking at a conference in a city that is a half an hour away from a diocese where the faithful have had their Latin mass taken away? where they can't access the traditional sacraments. Do we just, just say, sorry, just leave it at that? Maybe you do. I'm, I'm just asking, what do, you, what do you do about that? Do we actually have any heroic bishops right now in the church? Do we? Bishop Strickland is, is very heroic and, and it remains to be seen what's going to happen with his case. But what do, we, what do these men do now? Do they just go on the conference circuit? Do we just do podcasts? Is that going to save people's souls? We have one man in the last 50 years of the church, 60 years of this in, incredible, terrible crisis we've been living through, who actually did it, did something. And the ironic thing is that some of these really well-known, traditionally-minded bishops and cardinals like Mueller and, and Burke have accused Archbishop Lefebvre and the SSPX of schism in the past, which I find a bit rich considering... These men say the exact same things and more. I mean, Cardinal Mueller, funny enough, some of his statements, he has very sedative contest arguments, at least about bishops, that Archbishop Lefebvre never really pushed the same way Cardinal Mueller did. But they're just talking. What are they doing? Where are they going? Who are they ordaining? Who are they confirming? Who are they helping find traditional priests? And maybe they are. I'm just saying, and I, and I understand Cardinal Burke and they, they do confirmations for the fraternity and places like that. I get that. But what I'm saying is, in this era of lawlessness, is it just going to be, well, we'll just take little scraps here and there, and uh, as long as there's a permission here, we'll do it there. Is that all we're going to do? Because pretty soon, that's all going to be gone. Do you really think it's going to continue? Do you really think Pope Francis is going to stop? Do you really think the next Pope's going to be better than Pope Francis? We're either going to have a miraculous 
restoration that's going to be something inexplicable. Or we're probably going to have Pope Francis II, who's going to be Pope Francis on steroids. I mean, that's how this has gone. Why would we expect any different? Look at the men he's appointed. I know there's talk of pushback in Rome and there's conservatives and things. But what is a conservative bishop today? What is a conservative cardinal? You know, Bishop Barron, his letter he just put out about the Synod, everyone's saying it was so great. I read it. Okay, there's some decent parts in there. But he literally uses evolution as one of his arguments against the, the nonsense. So we've got supposedly this great letter from a bishop where he's using a, a modernist philosophical metaphysical principle to try to explain gender. I mean, how about just male and female, he created them, it's the scriptures, it's divine. It's like, no, evolutionary biology has is, is, is shed great light, and this is why this is so shocking. No, it's shocking because it's insane. It has nothing to do with evolution. <laughs> What's happening at the, what happened at the Synod was just shocking because it's nuts and because it's just absurd. We don't, anyway, my point is, Who's going to be the next pope? One of these conservative cardinals or bishops? What are they going? How how will they be any different? Really? So at a certain point, we need more than just talking. We need more than just. I gave a nice interview. Yes, what Pope Francis has done is bad. Yes, it's illegal to do this, and this is tisk tisk. This is not good. Faithful, we should we should really consider this. It's like okay, what does that do for the dad who's driving two hours? to try to get his kids Latin mass. Uh, and, you know, he's basically been abandoned by his, his church and parish community in his diocese. What happens to him? And again, we have to suffer. There's, there's suffering. People have to go through that suffering has redemption. But I'm just saying, are we just going to, is this what we're going to expect out of our bishops? We're going to expect conferences, a confirmation here and there, a nice interview. And wow, look at these heroes during the crisis. Is that what we're going to do? I don't know. As always, let me know what you think in the comments. This has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time, God bless.